Welcome into this week's edition of the Stone's Throw Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stone. Few things to uh, to get to on today's show. First off, we'll start off with the uh, with the NBA Finals, which are tied up one to one as they head back to uh, Golden State for Game Three on Wednesday. We'll also talk about uh, Gerald McCoy uh, signing with the Panthers, staying in the NFC South. Why I think that's a great fit for him and a great uh, great potential. Uh, defense there now in Carolina. Also, we'll stick with the NFL and uh, why the NFL should shorten the preseason, and I'll tell you why they shouldn't make the uh, the regular season uh, any longer. Uh, they should leave it the length that it uh, currently is. But we'll stay with, start with the uh, with the NBA Finals uh, series tied up one one. Toronto looked uh, outstanding in uh, in Game One, and they looked outstanding for about forty. 243 minutes of game two and then uh, <laughs> then the Warriors do what they do that's what makes the Warriors so difficult to beat because they're capable of going on a three or four minute stretch that just nobody can compete with and they can actually get outplayed for the majority of the game and still find a way to win uh, that's what happens when you have guys that can shoot the ball like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, and really I think the Raptors missed a golden opportunity uh, in game two to go up two nothing, and then you'd be looking at going to Golden State, playing Golden State while they're banged up with a 2-0 lead. But the fact that the Warriors were able to steal game two in Toronto, uh, that makes the series look drastically different as they head to uh, head to Golden State. And it looks like Kevin Durant could return for game four or game five. It looks like uh, they do expect Klay Thompson to play in game three. And I'm telling you right now, if Golden State goes up 2-1, and Kevin Durant plays in either Game 4 or Game 5, the series is over. I'm sorry. It, it's there's He just makes that much of a difference on the floor. And, and you saw it in Game 2 for the Raptors. Uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet played really well in the first half, didn't do much in the second half. They, they're just so dependent on Kawhi Leonard to carry the offense, and they don't have a consistent number two guy. They have a, a lot of guys that can kind of be your third, fourth, fifth option. They have a lot of guys like that on that roster, but they don't have a dependable number two guy on the roster, and that's what's been uh, been so hurtful for the Raptors at times this, uh, this postseason is that they just don't have a second guy they can go to when Ka- Kawhi Leonard's, you know, not having a great game. Um, you know, when we saw Pascal Siakam have a great game one, you saw what Draymond Green did defensively to him in uh, in game two, made the adjustment, picked him up, took on that responsibility, and did a much better job uh, defensively on him in uh, in game two. Also, you know, the impact of DeMarcus Cousins, uh, you know, played 27 minutes, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, there were times where, you know, he was doing the ball handling for the uh, for the Warriors. And, uh, you know, he, he really showcasing his uh, his skill set. And, and keep in mind, I mean, you know, that they're saying that, you know, obviously that DeMarcus Cousins really wants to win a ring. It's his first time that he's really been in a situation since he got in the NBA that he has an opportunity to win right now. But don't don't be fooled. DeMarcus Cousins is also thinking about this offseason because he knows money-wise, he's probably not going to get what he thought he was going to get 18 months ago since he had the injury, the Achilles injury, and now after this uh, this quad injury, I, you know the max probably isn't going to uh, to come for DeMarcus Cousins. But he's still trying to play fantastic in the finals to show teams that he's still worth a big, uh, big, lengthy. Contract, so I mean that that certainly plays a big part 
in what uh, the way DeMarcus Cousins is uh, playing, the amount of time that he's uh, he's giving the Warriors also. But it, it's going to be really interesting going into game three because if Klay Thompson can't go, you know, what do the Warriors do? Because it, you know, it, it's down to Steph and Draymond, essentially. Andre Iguodala is, you know, banged up. Uh, you know, Sean Livingston is, you know, getting up there in age. And you've got a bunch of young unproven guys on your bench Quinn Cook now has played well for the Warriors at times so he could be an option there at the two you also have uh, McKinney as uh, as well but they're gonna if Clay Thompson can't go they're gonna need somebody on that bench to uh, to step up and have a big time uh, game three but you know the fact that they're going into Oracle for game three the series tied 1-1 that that crowd is going to be rowdy they're going to be raucous and they're going to energize the uh, energize the Warriors I think that's something that you can certainly expect, and it is a hamstring injury. So I, I would expect if Clay, if there's any chance that Clay Thompson plays, I would expect that he will try to give it a go for uh, for Game Three because it's just uh, you know it's just that important of a game for the Warriors because I you know, I always forget the number, but it's an astronomical number as far as the, you know the percentage of winning Game Three when a series is tied and going on to uh, to win the uh, win the NBA finals and I think that really goes for any series you see like that whether it's the NHL, MLB, what have you. But it's going to be uh, going to be really interesting to see uh, you know how if Klay Thompson doesn't go how the Warriors are able to uh, to respond because you know Steph Curry is going to have to have a monster night. I mean there's there's no way around it. You know Draymond is Great is a great, uh, he's a great junkyard dog in terms of doing a lot of the little things, you know, rebounding, ball handling. He can score a little, but he's not the, the guy you're going to go out there and expect to score 25 points and be a good second option in terms of, uh, of scoring the basketball. So, where do they go? Will be, be really interesting to see. But I, I still stand by the prediction I made, uh, before the series started. I still think the Warriors win this game, win this series in six. Uh, you know, it very well could be two to two going back to Toronto, but if Kevin Durant, you know, that's if Kevin Durant doesn't play in Game Four or no other injuries or or what have you, things like that. It, but it's very, but even if it is two to two going back to Toronto, if Kevin Durant plays in Game Five, I would still lean towards the Warriors uh, winning that uh, that Game Five because he he's just the X factor at this point. And when you take a guy that's a top three player in the NBA and you just insert him into a series that's evened up, it's common sense to realize that it's drastically going to uh, going to change the series and going to be a, uh, a big difference in terms of uh, the way that the series is played out and the uh, the impact that it's obviously going to have on that uh, on that series. So I still stand with my prediction. I still think the Warriors. Uh, will win the NBA championship and win it in uh, in six games, like I predicted uh, last week. Switching gears, going over to the uh, to the NFL. Gerald McCoy, the longtime uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer defensive tackle, signed with the uh, the division rivals, the Carolina Panthers, uh, earlier this week. And I, I, I gotta say, I mean, I think it's an absolute great fit for Gerald McCoy and the Panthers. Uh, you know, McCoy, he's he's thirty. He'll be thirty one. Uh, so he's getting up there. He's getting up there in age, uh, but or he actually is 31. Excuse me. So he's getting up there in age, but and he his numbers did dip in Tampa last season. I mean that was that was his worst season since his third season in the NFL. He had 28 tackles 
total, he had six tackles for loss, and he had uh, he had six sacks. For comparison's sake, he was kind of averaging uh, in terms of sacks. You know, in the prime of his career, he was averaging between he's averaging about eight and a half sacks a year, and he was probably averaging about forty tackles uh, a season at that defensive tackle spot. But keep in mind. He was the main focal point on that defensive line in Tampa Bay. He did not have a ton of help there with the Buccaneers on some very bad, very poor defenses. He was kind of like the one bright spot on a lot of those uh, those defenses. So going to uh, the Carolina, which absolutely has a, a loaded front seven, it's going to one. It's going to lighten the pressure on him. Two, he's not going to get the kind of attention he was getting in Tampa Bay because the Panthers' defensive front seven is just so loaded. I mean, when you look at it, their defensive line, this is what it looks like with Gerald McCoy. At the defensive tackle positions, they have Kawan Short, Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy, and Vernon Butler. And then at defensive end, they have Brian Burns, the draft pick, Bruce Irvin, Mario Addison, and Christian Miller. And then you have Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson getting to, uh, to play behind those guys and make plays at the, uh, at the linebacker position. So, I mean, he, th- this puts them in a situation where their, their defensive front seven should be one of the best in the NFL. And, and keep in mind, you know, they're losing Julius Peppers, obviously, but they're kind of adding a guy that was somewhat similar to, uh, to Julius Peppers. Different position, obviously, but a, a veteran player that was an all-pro is coming into this, uh, this Carolina Panthers system. And, you know, if, if they can do what they did for Julius Peppers and vice versa, like, like Peppers did for them, it's an outstanding fit for the Panthers and for, for Gerald McCoy in terms of his ability to, uh, to make plays. And, and I said, you know, I thought that the Panthers had a, a very good chance to be a playoff team this year. And when I did my, uh, my betting numbers, you know, on their, their projected win total, I took them winning over eight games. And I feel extremely good about that now that they had Gerald McCoy. I, I think this, this is a Panthers team that can win 10 or 11 games. I, I would probably say finish second in the, uh, in the division and be a wild card team uh, behind the Saints, maybe even win the division. You never know how things are going to play out. Uh, injuries can certainly play a part for anybody through, uh, throughout the season, so you certainly never know how things are going to play out. But I think it's, it's an outstanding fit uh, for scheme, for depth. Uh, he, he's not going to have to be on the field as much as he was in, uh, in Tampa Bay. He, so he's not, uh, you know, he's not going to be not nearly as much is going to be expected of him in terms of the uh, the workload that he's had over the past uh, the past few seasons there in uh, in Tampa Bay. So he, he's really going to be put in a spot where he's expected to make plays when he's in the game, and he's probably not going to be in the game near as much as he has been when he was in Tampa Bay because of the amount of depth that you see there on that uh, Carolina Panthers defensive front so I think I think it's an excellent addition for the Panthers and and really puts them I think kind of solidifies them in my mind as probably the second best team in the NFC South right there maybe a tick below the uh, the Saints and you know the old adage with the Panthers it's every other year they (laughs) coming off a down year last year so that the expectation amongst a lot of Carolina Panthers fans that have gotten used to this is they're going to be back in the mix this year to be in the postseason, maybe even possibly compete for a uh, for a berth in the uh, in the Super Bowl as well. Uh, and, and I would I would say this is a Panthers team that, that may have more weapons than we've ever seen them have. With uh, you know Cam, if Cam's healthy, 
you know, Christian McCaffrey, obviously. You have uh, Greg Olson. Uh, they added uh, Chris Hogan as well on the outside. Uh, they bring back uh, Moore, the receiver, as uh, as well on the outside. They do lose Devin Funches, but he was always kind of up and down anyway. So this may be you know the best set of weapons even that the Panthers have had in uh, in Cam Newton's tenure there as the uh, the Panthers quarterback. So I think the Panthers are a team that could really surprise uh, a lot of people this season and compete for the NFC South, uh, especially with this addition of Gerald McCoy maybe even a dark horse team to potentially make a run to the uh, to the Super Bowl as well. I think that's that's the kind of depth this move gives the uh, gives the Panthers along that uh, that defensive line. Staying in in the NFL, Roger Goodell was uh, was recently asked this week uh whether he thought the preseason should be shortened. And this is something he has you know postured for in the past is a shortening of the preseason, but he also wanted to potentially move the regular season to 18 games. I think that I think it's a great idea to shorten the preseason because it's just not necessary. Um, you know, these guys do joint, a lot of joint practices now. That's a lot of scrimmages. So, so it's almost like when you do a joint practice and then you have four preseason games, it's almost like you have six or seven. Uh, preseason games if you're a team that does joint practices and most of those teams do joint practices uh, with another team at this point in the uh, in the NFL so I, I think you could cut the preseason back to two or three games but but if it was me and this is what I hope I really hope the NFL does not touch the 16 game schedule I, I think the way the NFL does the playoffs and the regular season is perfect, and I think it's the reason why the NFL is the most popular sport in the country, because less is more. <laughs> That's what makes football uh, so watched in this country, because you don't have to dedicate half the year to it. You dedicate three months, you know, one, one day a week, whichever day your team's playing on. If you're you know, a serial fan and want to watch it every day of the week, that's your choice, obviously. But if you're a fan of a team and that's how you choose to watch, then you're watching it one day a week, three, three and a half hours. It's not taking up multiple nights of the week like the NBA or the MLB. It's not taking up six months like the NBA or the MLB. So it, 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 I think that's what makes the... The, the way that the NFL does the season is, is a huge factor in how popular that the NFL is. If you go to an 18-game schedule, you just run the risk of more injury. And, and you hear a lot of times when we get to the postseason that you see these run-down teams that don't have, that aren't but so healthy, and it kind of makes the postseason a little less interesting sometimes. And this is even with a 16-game schedule. So if you go to 18, you run the risk of more injuries uh, potentially, you know, pushing your, uh, making your postseason a little more uh, watered down than it even is now at, uh, at times. So I think that the NFL should stand pat at 16 games. I don't think the players want to go to 18 games unless they're going to get more money for it. That's, that's the only way that the players are going to uh, to go for an 18-game schedule if you give them more money. The money has to go up because you're asking them to put their bodies on the line two more, two more times a season as opposed to you know the 16 times a season. You're adding more and more to that. I, I think the way the NFL does the season currently is perfect in terms of the length. 
less is more. I've, I've said that for the longest time, and that's why the NFL is so freaking popular. Because you know people get people get tired of the NBA regular season, how long it is, and, and you know even the NBA has discussed the idea of shortening their season. People have been asking the MLB to shorten their season. For the longest time, people get tired of the MLB and how long that season is. And by the time you know, and by the time that season runs into October, you're competing with the NFL. The NFL is really only competing against itself because the NBA is is just you know it, it's just early in the season when that's going on. You you do run into a little bit of competition from baseball in October, but it's over you know within a month, and, and it's really just the NFL competing against itself. For the most part, so the timing of the season is perfect for the NFL to be the most popular sport, and the length I think plays a huge factor in why the in why the NFL is so popular. And it's it, it's it's a common saying, but it is real. Less is more. So the NFL should not add more games on to the regular season. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Stones Throw Podcast. A little bit uh, shorter today, but maybe have a second one uh, later this week. As always, you can check them out on SportsCarolinaMonthly.com and on the Sports Carolina Monthly Facebook page.